This is Chief Michael Wynn of the Pittsfield Police Department. And Lieutenant Gary Traversa. The Pittsfield Police Department is encouraging anyone interested in becoming a Pittsfield Police Officer to register for the 2021 Municipal Police Officer Exam. As a civil service department, this is the first step required to join our team. We are seeking motivated, eligible individuals who desire a rewarding and adventure-filled career serving the residents of Pittsfield. Detailed application information is available on the web at mass.gov backslash civil service. The application deadline is April 20th with a late registration window open until May 4th. Exam fees range from $100 to $200. Candidates who pass the exam are placed on the eligible list and ranked by score. The Pittsfield Police Department will use that list to fill vacant positions in 2021 and 2022. So take the first step in joining the Pittsfield Police Department by going to mass.gov backslash civil service. Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am both one of the weekly co-hosts and co-producers of uh, one of the one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this supposedly weekly radio show, and uh, I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Cops Bureau Commander. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. You're looking dapper. Feeling dapper. We're also joined in studio this morning by Officer Sean Garapi and his probationary officer, Officer Wheat. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. All right. I've said it for the last several shows that I've been present for, and I'm going to say it again. I'm done. Winter can go. Enough is enough. <laughs> I understand that it's typical to get some weather you know, early in April. I don't care. I'm all done. Um, but let's look at a couple news items really quickly i think the most important one breaking news for us is that an arrest was made uh, overnight on the uh, yeah. recent convenience store robbery we had just gotten the media release out on that yesterday looking for assistance and uh was it squad b squad b and the detectives last night yeah wrapped them up so uh, yeah. that that one's cleared and and closed and we'll we'll get more out on that later today we have something ready to go yeah um in other news, kids are going back to school next week. Some mixed feelings about that, and I understand why, because we're seeing an uptick in cases again. We don't have a weekly health report today, but you can look at the dashboard and you can see it. Um, we're, we're making solid progress. Vaccines are going out. Things are being made, but you still have to stay smart. Those precautions have to stay in place. Um, our case count is up. So I think this week we're actually going to go back into the red. So keep your distance, wear your mask. It's Easter weekend. Avoid those large gatherings unless it's single households. All of a sudden last Friday it was like boom. You know, well, I mean, we haven't had a, a COVID task force meeting in a couple of weeks, but we could see it coming, right? After the BioBot reports came out, I mean, no public health was saying the contact tracers, it, you know, it's... It's isolated to a couple families. The, the initial was isolated to a couple families, but there are large extended families. Um, mm. So we'll see about that. Uh, other news, not local news, I just I wanted to share this for a couple of minutes, then we'll, we'll get to more breaking news, then we'll get to our guests. Um, 
I had the television news on as I was getting ready to leave. This is one of the reasons I was rushing in late. I didn't want to leave in the middle of this story. It was a, um, NBC story that broke this morning. I think it was an Andrea, Andrea Mitchell reporting. And it, I had to watch it for a couple minutes because I was fascinated. Um, it was a show about foreign service officers, diplomats, like ambassadors and their staff. And when I was in college, like some of my classmates got recruited by the State Department to be foreign service officers. And they would come in and they would talk about the training and you would go learn cultural norms of where you were going to be posted and customs and courtesies. This training that they were talking about that our FSOs and their families have to go through was horrifying. It's evacuating an embassy or a consulate under fire. Like they were going through live fire drills and evacuations, boarding and uh, getting out of helicopters, doing defensive driving, driving through ambushes. Their civilian the family members had to go through the training. Um, it's a different world. <laughs> Benzaghi effect. Benghazi, yeah, exactly. That's what they said. It's been in existence. Uh, they put it together. They put the training together two years ago based on what had happened uh, with Ambassador Stevens in Benghazi. Yeah. But um, you know, one of the, they interviewed one of the wives, and she's like, this is the most important training I could take my family through. So yeah. we don't think about that, right? When our FSOs go overseas, they take their families with them. They're also serving downrange in harm's way. So God bless them. Yep. All right. And another late-breaking news that we will get to in the second half of the program. Yesterday afternoon, the governor, Governor Baker, and our Attorney General, Maura Healy, announced their appointments to the new Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission. And um, we have a local connection to that announcement. We'll Congratulations. Talk about, we'll talk about that in the <laughs> second half of the show. Uh, and, and the whirlwind several days that it has been. But enough of the news. Let's get to the program. We're trying to work our way through this group of newly graduated probationary officers who are in the field training program. I lost count. This Three or four? Four. Four. All right. So um, we are joined this morning by Officer Sean Garropy, who has been with us recently in another capacity because mm-hmm. um, he's from the patrol end leading up our recruiting efforts going into the civil service exam. And he's got our newest, one of our newest officers with him in the field training cycle. You guys still in phase two? Phase two. Phase two. Phase two. Yep. two? Okay. So how's that going? It's great. Yeah, no complaints <laughs> on my end. Uh, learning a lot every day. Uh, every day is new, and it's, a, it's been a lot of fun. Where are you guys working today? We're auto six every every day, just about. That's, my, that's, my that's your regular side yeah. beat. Which is not a bad thing when you're in field training, because you get to kind of pick and choose the calls and go wherever you want to go. Exactly. We're central. We can jump what we need to, kind of get into the mix right away for most calls. Nice. All right, so... Let's, uh, we've kind of been sticking to the same format here. So, Officer Wheat, let's uh, roll back the clock a little bit. Start at the beginning. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Yeah. Uh, Born and raised Pittsfield. Okay. Uh, Local uh, Taconic graduate. And then I went to. uh, Yeah, go Braves, yeah. Then I went to uh, Berkshire Community College. Um, Special shout out to BCC. You're welcome, Christina. (laughs) Uh, I got an associate's in criminal justice there, and then I went to Westfield State University, where nice. I got a uh, bachelor's in criminal justice. Okay. Did you play sports in school? Uh, I did. I ran track and uh, cross country. Really? Yeah. Nice. Not easy sports. No. I was, I was not a runner. <laughs> not I, yeah, a it's, runner. it's funny. I used to be in a lot better shape, and that's something, if you don't do it every day, it, it just disappears yeah. <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Did it come back to you in the academy when it was time to run? It did, but... It wasn't at the same level because it was, you know, 
in uh in high school you were doing a lot of workouts a lot of different like sprints and this was more like kind of ground and pound just yeah. get the miles in and yeah yep. so cross country and track so this is this is a weird segue but um Wednesday night, as I said, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. Wednesday night was a bit of a whirlwind night that culminated at about 10 o'clock at night with me taking a call from Governor Baker, which I was talking to a friend of mine, Pat Carnevale, yesterday. You would have thought that the call would have been a lot about my training and my experience and, you know, my philosophy. We talked a lot about wrestling, right? my, my high school and college wrestling experience. It was a very <laughs> down-to-earth kind of guy-to-guy conversation. But the, the reason I bring this up is... Track and cross country, very much like wrestling, gymnastics. Those are those are sports where you train as a team, you push each other together as a team. But when it comes time to compete, you're all by yourself, right? It's oh, yeah. it's individual accomplishments added together for tournament or, or meet wins. Um, and I don't think I don't think people have never participated in that. Like if you're if you're a team athlete, if you play football, if you play baseball, if you play basketball, you know you could have some superstars, but it's a team effort. These these individual collective part of a team sports, they're different. Like you want to push all of your teammates to be better. And that happens in the practice. But when you start to compete, you're kind of all by yourself. Um, It's a different it's a different world. Running is much the same way unless you're on a relay team. (laughs) All right. So what'd you do right after college? Uh, right after college, I was already working at a grocery store. I was working at Stop and Shop. Okay. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go full time. So um, I worked with them for probably around eight years. So Doing what? Uh, I was a assistant produce manager. So um, I was working in Dan Fox and I went to Merrill Road and then did some time in North Adams. Uh, we, so went we, all across. We get people from all kinds of weird experiences, yeah. backgrounds. <laughs> All right. I don't know if we've ever had an assistant produce manager in our recruitment <laughs> pipeline before, um, but I'm sure that someday we're going to have to do some kind of major case in a supermarket, and you'll be the incident yes. commander. All right. <laughs> Ready for it? I would have put them in the bakery. Yeah. We, oh, there it is. All there right, it is. Right. Yeah. Missed wow. my calling. Man. <laughs> wow. Dad joke of dad jokes. All right. So you're working in produce. And uh, at some point, you decide you're going to take the civil service exam? Yeah, so um, I always wanted to work in law enforcement, and um, uh, I just waited for the test to come around. I Probably about, it must have been like three years ago, yeah, two, two, three, two or three years ago, I took the test, and just on a limb, I was like, you know what, I'll try it and see if anything comes about it, and I was lucky enough to score high enough to, to get an interview and kind of go through the process, and, and here I am. First time through the process. Yes. Took the test once. Yeah. So we're, we're highlighting. I, oh, I, took, I took the test twice. Took the test twice. Yes. Okay. So got on the list and then the list expired. Yes. And so took it, took it again. Yep. And so we're trying to focus on that in these conversations because this is not the kind of job where you see something on monster.com, you send in a resume and, you know, four or five weeks later, maybe they're like, hey, you know, walk in here, you start Monday. This is a slog. It's a process, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're taking this test. Um. And at the same time, you're working, right? You oh, got yeah. you yeah. to be an adult and pay the bills, and you're just hoping against all hope that somebody's going to see your name on this list and, and offer you the opportunity. And as luck would have it, it turns out it's your hometown PD. Yeah, very so. fortunate. It's, I remember I was, uh, I was having dinner with my wife, and I, I got the email um, about my test score. And when I got that back, I was like, oh, you know, this, who knows? Maybe this could be something, you know, and then the process started, so... 
So tell us a little bit about the process from your perspective, because we know what it looks like from the inside. <laughs> uh, it was a long process. Um, a lot of back and forth emails. Um, kind of. I remember the first thing was uh, the uh, the PT assessment and getting ready for that. So I, I remember, you know, when I got word that I had to go to to Williams College to, uh, you know, to do the running, the push-ups, the sit-ups. I uh, kind of focused in on that those particular workouts and you were in the group that we had to get that done like in the worst possible weather <laughs> yes i forgot about yes, that we <laughs> so the first time we had to do that the timing was right we got to do it up at taconic it was the hottest day of the year like we quite literally thought we were going to have heat casualties and had to borrow special <laughs> equipment to make sure that they were safe the next cycle was the exact opposite it was like oh yeah gonna do the pt assessment prepare for arctic conditions which is a lot like working in Pittsfield. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you go up there, you do the PT assessment. Yep. Uh, yeah, went through that, and then it was uh, completing the uh, the application. Um, that was kind of getting a lot of information into that. Um, I remember I had to go to I had to actually go to Westfield. I had to go to back to Taconic get my uh, my transcripts. Um, kind of put all that together, um, and then I had the. Uh, the interview process and um yeah just kind of went through it all then it's hurry up and wait because we got to figure out where it is <laughs> yeah. academy right yeah it so. felt like it was kind of back to back and then a little bit of waiting back to back to back stuff that we had to do and then then a lot more waiting until the uh the first two weeks prior to the academy so when we talk about so, wait a minute i want to rewind for a second because you did your pt assessment at williams college yes and shout out to my alma mater so that because we haven't talked about that before. So I called my friend and counterpart, who's the director of campus security, safety and security, Dave Boyer, and I didn't, I didn't have a personal relationship with the athletic director. Uh, that there had been some turnover there, so I was like, Dave, I need you to put me in touch with the AD. So he put me in touch with the AD. I gave Sergeant Mazio the contact information, and they were so gracious. They they bent over backwards and worked with us to get us up there in space of the field house. So shout out to williams college all the higher ed is getting praised today so all right so sorry so now it's uh, admin time you got two weeks before you go to the academy you're gonna you're gonna come in you know start working for the ppd that's shocking off first of all you got to yes. come to our headquarters <laughs> which i'm sorry it is what it is right we're, we're moving forward on the new station project it's slow but we're moving um so you get introduced to the department in our basement roll call room and and then there's a bunch of just mundane ridiculous tasks like labeling all your equipment oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> inspecting every item that has to go in that bag going over a bunch of policies with sergeant mazio was he onboarding yes you? Oh, yeah. so yep. going over a bunch of policies going over a bunch of orders um and then you get ready to go to the academy <laughs> yeah, that was. Did you, did you go to SDCC? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, what was that like? That was one of the toughest experiences I've ever had. That Why? was uh, just kind of like the emotional roller coaster on my end. Um, you know, some days were really good, some days were really bad, and it just kind of, you know, it, it was a new experience every single day. Like, you never knew what instructor you were going to have, how some attitudes can affect the entire class. Um, God forbid if somebody forgot something from their bag that they did not label, um, you know, how that affected the class. Um, just, you, you didn't really know what you were going through. So, so tell us about your day one or what you remember of your day one. 
uh, being thirsty. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was honestly, I was. It was a good day one. That, I was. Um, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> I. Uh, I. My goal for day one was kind of fly under the radar, um, but with eighteen people, you there's no hiding. <laughs> there was. So, so from the staff instructor point of view, that attitude that you just described, we we call that trying to be the gray person or trying to be, be the gray re- recruit. And it's a recipe for success in a larger class. If you can just blend in, you know, don't excel, but, but don't fail, you just kind of coast. I can tell you as a staff instructor, we have a plan for that. Nobody gets to hide. Nobody yes. gets to blend and, in. And that was their plan. <laughs> and, I mean, I was the shortest guy there, shortest person in the academy too, so they just – they took that and ran with it, so I, of there was no did. hiding. You, you, you have my sympathy. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh, so day one was was probably a whirlwind. Yeah, a lot it of physical uh, physical whirlwind. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of lot of moving, a lot of moving back and forth, a lot of running, a lot yeah. of moving that bag, a lot of lifting, a lot of yeah. Physically, I was I was prepared for it. It was um, you know kind of going home like. Oh geez, I gotta go back. <laughs> yeah, this isn't it, over. This is day it, one. It, your so your class, and I don't want to get into the details of it, but your class, we had a couple of um, we had a couple of unusual experiences, right? We had one. So you your class originally reported with more students from Pittsfield, um, including one of the first women w- that we onboarded uh, in quite, quite some time since um, McDonald's class, and wasn't for her right yeah. she, that, that was quick and then within the same day right another candidate this, yeah. uh yep. you know the modified stress that they were going through um in his mind that compared that was the equivalent of military special operations which i promise you it is not um but he wasn't taking it and so he was gone before lunch we lost two and if you know for our viewers and listeners at home this may sound you know horrific and it, and it may sound antiquated they're there is a method to the madness. There is a purpose to the modified stress. Because the reality as a police officer is, you know, you're going to get out on the street. You're going to find – I was looking at a, a use of force review the other day. You know, just the subject horrific, you know, name-calling and screaming and threatening our officers. You're going to get screamed at in this job. People are going to not be happy to see you. If you can't take that in a safe environment and not respond emotionally, we certainly can't put you in the field. Right. So there's there's a point to it. And the reality is, depending on how the the class pulls together and how well they do, the modified stress period is relatively short. Like you can get through that that highly stressful emotional period in a few days to a week, assuming nobody messes up going forward, which almost always happens. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll go back to it. But it's it's not. It's not built into the entire experience. It's front-loaded, and then you taper off of it. Yeah. Um, so you're in the academy. You, you said something else. Right? So you have to go home after that first day and, and every day, and you have to emotionally prepare yourself to go back. Yep. And you're married. Yes. You have kids? No. Not yet. Um, so your wife went through the academy, too. Right? Oh, yes, she did. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that is something that uh, we haven't talked about really on this program, but I talk about a lot when I'm doing work with either uh, college students or people who are pre-academy. It, it, it's not an individual experience, right? Our recruits, unless we send them to the SPMA, are commuters. It's go to school, go to work, and go home every night. 
be home every weekend unless there's some special event or training evolution, which means there's a break in your training cycle and you have to go back to normal life. In many ways, that's more difficult. It's easier to be in the training cycle, live in the barracks, stay there and stay in that mindset and only have to cycle once a week than to do that time and time again. And you don't leave the academy and your workday is done. You leave the academy and your entire evening is preparation to go back there and do it again, whether it's prepping your uniforms, prepping your equipment, studying, uh, communicating with your squad leader. There's hours and hours of work. And then your family has to support you with that because you still have to maintain your household. You still have to live life. The bills still have to get paid. And then you got to go back and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's behind you. Yes. What yeah. was your favorite class in the academy? Oh, favorite class. Let's see. Honestly, it's probably report writing. Really? Yeah. It's kind of one of those weird classes where it's... Um, how can I word this? Like you don't, you don't go in thinking that's going to be your favorite class, but it's one of the things that I learned a lot of skills, and I was able to kind of translate that into what I'm doing right now. So give, it, it's give me an example about a skill you learned in report writing. Just how to like try to pick out all the necessary details uh, and put it into your report. Um, kind of, you know, the heading, the the what you're going to say in your first paragraph. Um, so. So front-loading that report, right? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a lot like journalism. Who, what, where, when, why. Exactly. Cover yeah. the elements of the crime. Right? Get all that in. All right. So Lieutenant Souls would be proud. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Lieutenant Souls, report writing instructor. Um, we're always very proud of our operations personnel who provide instruction at the academy, paying it forward as it were. We, that way we kind of know we're getting quality product out both ends, so that's awesome. Um, all right, so let's talk briefly about field training. How's that? You can be honest, even though your field training officer's sitting right next to you. How's that going? He's been good. Uh, everybody has been good that I've had so far. Um, I'm, I'm learning a lot, and it's it's good to have, I think, Auto 6, too, because it's, um, like Gary said, we're going to different calls. We're, we're picking and choosing. We're not really picking and choosing. We're going. You're to, going. It's we're, busy, yeah, right? We're going to a lot of different calls, yeah. so it's a lot of uh, new experiences and um, it, it's great training, great training. What's been your most surprising call so far? Um, it's kind of how people react to you um, and how they, they look at you um, kind of in, in the public's eye. I mean, you, you can have some people that, that praise you and, and love you, and then in the next moment you, you got people that just are not a fan. <laughs> you know, and we're just trying to – get there and you know, do our job haters gonna hate <laughs> yeah. i um we got a officer safety email i think it was yesterday morning the days are blurring this week an officer safety email right officers clearing the call they're sitting in a parking lot and uh just they're not engaged in any enforcement activity they're just sitting in the parking lot trying to clear a call get you know get caught up on their paperwork or whatever and party that's known to us and we've dealt with in the past um you know generally in crisis just Blows into the parking lot, runs up on this officer, starts screaming at him. He's out of the blue, right? <laughs> like what? And I had to, I had to chuckle because so I'm, I'm got my uniform on on Friday. I'm trying my best to try to get out on the road and do some patrol. So two weeks ago, I got to do a little patrol, and last week I traveled, so I couldn't patrol. Uh, but last, two weeks ago, I, I had to 
log into my my laptop to send some paperwork in and i'm sitting in the parking or in the driveway of springside park and as i'm i'm in my cruiser looking at my terminal right and as i'm you know doing my scan and whatever individual comes walking out of the park i'm assuming he's living in the park because he's carrying all of his stuff he starts banging on my cruiser window okay well, if you need police services so i roll the window down to see if i can help him and he just starts going off about somebody else and he's just screaming about this other person and i'm looking at this per this you know poor individual in crisis I'm like okay did they commit a crime did they assault you did they bother you did they take your stuff and no he just doesn't like this person he just wants to tell me that they're a jerk and i should do something about it i was like I, I, I'm a police officer. We don't do jerks. I don't know how to help you. Right? I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. I'm sorry that guy's a jerk. Um, but it was just, it was random, out of the blue interaction. And those things happen all the time. All right. Yeah, so we've got a few minutes left before we wrap up and send you guys back out on the road. What are you looking forward to the most in you know the next couple weeks of field training? Kind of um, having Officer Garapy kind of step back a little bit and me taking the lead. Um, it's it's nice to see all these different encounters that we have and kind of how I'm going to handle the situation. And uh, you know, like I said, the training's been great. I've I've had great instructors, great great everybody all around the board has been helping me out, and it's um, I want to kind of put that in my own uh, my own line. Is he getting close, Sean? Yeah, we're uh, we got one. Today's our Friday, so we got one week left of phase two. So the plan is to step back, and this is kind of where we really start to let go of the hands and going into phase three. It's really, can you do it yourself safely uh, from A to Z in a call, and then we go into shadow from there. And I think the whole group this time in field training, uh, you know, I hear very little issues with any of them. I think everyone's doing great, and we're, we're on schedule. That's a breath of fresh air. It, it is. No, no knock to anybody who has been in field training in the last couple cycles. But the last couple cycles have been a lift. They've been a lift. I, I feel like since I've been a training officer, <laughs> it's been a lift. The, definitely the last two cycles. Yeah. Um, actually, probably the last three cycles. We've had, to get, we've had to get better. We've had to learn a lot about you know, things that we have to change in adult learning modality and mechanisms we might have to adopt or, or improvise or add into the program to provide particular assistance to people. Uh, not because they're they're not capable of doing the job, but just because they're coming with different experiences and um, different challenges that we've never encountered before. So, you know, we've got to get them up to speed. Some of it's technological, some of it's um, external external services, some of it is hard conversations about decisions they might have to make. All right, so you're gonna get out of field training in five weeks. Well, six, no, seven weeks. One more week or two, four, four five, weeks, seven. Yeah, seven <laughs> weeks. You're going to get out field training in seven weeks. Then what are you looking forward to? Kind of just starting the job on my own. Just, um, you know, kind of getting my shift, uh, getting my beat, and just, you know, going forward. Okay, yeah, we get that, yeah. What are your aspirations? What do you want to do as a police officer? Where do you want to be in the Pittsfield Police Department as your career progresses? I would like to move forward and become a sergeant in the drug unit. Nice. Supervisor in the drug unit. Mm -hmm. Highly, highly specialized. Why that? Uh, it's just very interesting to me. Um, I kind of want to just, uh, you know, keep going forward and learn a lot of different things and, you know, try to 
try to get these drugs off the street. So help people out. Awesome. Lieutenant, any questions or thoughts for these guys before we kick them loose? I don't think so. Covered it all. Got the whole gamut. You know, the, the only observation I have, um, you know, you mentioned how in the academy it's not just an individual process. You know, you're way so long for the ride there. Um, that's the occupation, really. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, Absolutely. It doesn't change much. Um, so it's, uh, but I think it's good that, you know, a spouse sees it from the beginning. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, 2020 derailed a lot of our plans, COVID and, and other things, but shout out to Officer Garapi's wife, um, you know, quickly after Sean came to Cheshire, right? From Cheshire, yeah. yeah. Quickly after Sean came to us from Cheshire, he and she realized the the difference between city policing and small town policing and the enormity. And she's been great in just making sure that our families stay connected and stay plugged in, um, informed about stuff that's going on. Because it, it is, it's an all-encompassing career, right? You're, you don't get to go to work and go home and just leave it. You get called in. You get held over, you get ordered in on your vacations and your days off, you get, you know, mandated for parades, vaccine clinics. Um, there, you know, the only consistency is inconsistency. So God bless our spouses, families, mm-hmm. children, partners. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks for coming in and joining us this morning. Yeah, know, thank you. Uh, we're interrupting your patrol flow and we'll get you back out there. I have... I have a Zoom meeting at 10. Hopefully after that I can mark in a service and maybe I'll see you guys out there. We'll be out there being busy. Nice. All right. Thanks for coming in again. It's good to see you guys. For our viewers and listeners at home, thanks for tuning in this morning. The On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. We are coming up on the halfway point, so let's get another check of the weather and some PSAs, and we'll come back and talk about the post C. Thanks, guys. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, mostly cloudy. Occasional flurries this afternoon. Highs in the mid-30s. Northwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy in the evening, then clearing. Cold with lows around 20. Northwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Saturday, sunny. Not as cool with highs in the upper 40s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Hi, this is Chief Michael Wynn of the Pittsfield Police Department. And Lieutenant Gary Traversa. The Pittsfield Police Department is encouraging anyone interested in becoming a Pittsfield Police Officer to register for the 2021 Municipal Police Officer Exam. As a civil service department, this is the first step required to join our team. We are seeking motivated, eligible individuals who desire a rewarding and adventure-filled career serving the residents of Pittsfield. Detailed application information is available on the web at Mass. 
dot gov backslash civil service. The application deadline is April 20th with a late registration window open until May 4th. Exam fees range from $100 to $200. Candidates who pass the exam are placed on the eligible list and ranked by score. The Pittsfield Police Department will use that list to fill vacant positions in 2021 and 2022. So take the first step in joining the Pittsfield Police Department by going to mass.gov backslash civil service. We're back. We are. Chief is uh, just kind of in line with our uh, PSA we just played. I just want to kind of give a little plug for some of our recruitment activities. Please do. And, uh, you spend know, spend some time on that. What we've done and, and what we're, we're hoping to do here in the, the, coming, the coming weeks. You've um, put together an impressive team and you have been very, very busy with some stuff that is very creative that we haven't done in the past. Well, yeah, thank you. It's uh, again, it's 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 been a team effort, but we have managed to get four billboards up throughout the city. So if you haven't seen our billboards, um, North Street by Amart, um, Tyler Street at Burbank, Elm Street, uh, just above George's Liquor Store, I believe, and um, Wakona Street uh, by the Pittsfield Cemetery by the bridge right by the cemetery entrance there. We have four billboards um, hoping to get the word out that the civil service test is coming up. The deadline is uh, April 20th. There is a two-week uh, extension on that, but it's going to cost uh, 50 more dollars to, to uh, get your registration in. So do it by April 20th. Um, go to mass.gov backslash civil service. Uh, and you can sign right up there. That's the only way to do it. Um, we are. We actually had a virtual um, recruitment booth yesterday. Uh, we were uh, kind of worked with uh, Mass Hire. They helped us out uh, in setting up this booth, and we had about uh, 13 visitors. Nice. They came in yesterday. And actually, as uh, you know, we're, we've been really pushing hard for the civil service test, but we also have, uh, you know, for police officers, but we have a couple of other positions um, that, you know, I was going through. I was on the city website and realized that we, we had that co-responder position um, posted, so uh, we publicized that a little bit. Richard was in the room yesterday. And, nice. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we did have a visitor that was interested in that position, so... Um, again, the co-responder position is still open, and uh, you can go on the City of Pittsfield website under the Jobs tab and get more information on that. And then uh, within the last week, we have posted a, an open dispatcher position. Um, so that is now also posted on uh, the City website. That'll be open for... Uh, the month of April. Um, so if you're interested in that, please uh, pass the word and or put an application in yourself if you're interested in uh, working as a dispatcher. We have an upcoming career fair w w that we are participating in. It's actually hosted by the Massachusetts National Guard. Um, so at their uh, armory up on Vinebert Boulevard on April 13th, uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. We're going to join the National Guard. I believe the Sheriff's Department's going to be there. 
a couple of the ambulance companies. Um, BCC is going to have some information up there on their programs. Nice. So it is um, the the National Guard is billing that as their their public safety uh, career fair. Obviously, we're going to have to uh, operate within the constraints of the gathering. So I think uh, right now it's at a hundred. So we're going to have to scale down our participation a little bit. You know, which is. Uh, a little bit of a change from what we had done in the past when we had our own recruitment fair we were able to bring in quite a few of our units we're going to have to scale that back obviously to allow for so, the other uh, agencies so i was thinking about that we won't be able to have representation from all of our units but because of some of the progress we've made in the last couple of years about um expanding your your team in particular and some of the we have a we have a lot of cross-pollination right we have a lot of people in either supervisory roles or special assignments right now who have prior service in other units. Right. So we got, you know, a lot of people who maybe spent some time in the drug unit and with the SRT who are now in a supervisory role. So um, we've got a lot of people who can speak and we've got plenty of pictures so we can show the stuff. It won't be as cool as the hands-on demos where we can show all the gear, but we'll still be able to cover all of it. Yep. So it, uh, yeah, we have, we have quite a few, I was going through the list and quite a few officers that have, significant experience and training in multiple specialties absolutely yeah okay that's my long-winded appeal for interest in the department listen there's there's 18 days left right and i've I've seen this from a lot of different sources over the last year um and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's happening in the commonwealth for the rest of the program but you know we me, the Pittsfield Police Department, my administration, my staff, we're among the first to look and say, hey, you know, can we do things better? Yes, we can. We're committed to continuous improvement. We're always looking at improving our training, our equipment, our, our interactions. Um, it's easy to stand on the outside and cast slings and arrows. It's harder to get in the game, right? So here's your opportunity. Be, be the change you want to see, right? right? We are looking for people. You know, it's 2021 is the year of reimagining policing. We are looking for people who want to help us do that. Criticize if you want, or take the exam, get on the team, and help us make the changes. Right. So there's 18 days left to sign up for the civil service exam. We're getting bi-weekly reports from civil service on the number of local applicants and the demographic breakdown. We we want to see more applicants, particularly more local applicants, and we definitely want to see more representation. Um, you know, I, I've said for most of my tenure as a career, it, I want to see more women taking the test. Right? It we get good groups of people like this last group we just sent. I, ultimately, we vetted, we cleared twelve to go to the academy, and I think when we were getting ready to send um, Officer Wheat's class in, we actually were at ten or eleven. Nine of them actually made it to the door. Um, only one of them was a woman, right? That that wasn't that wasn't due to anything in our process. That was the size and the quality of the list that we got to start the process. Um, if there aren't more women taking the test, there won't be more women on our list. And you know, the list isn't going to get bigger. It's going to get smaller. Once we start the application of the background process, it's going to get smaller. So. Um, Definitely looking for more um, minority groups or underrepresented groups. Take the test. Um, we're still trying to figure some stuff out. Um, but if 
transportation or finances are an obstacle, contact us. We can't promise you anything, but we're looking at some options that we might be able to help you with that. Absolutely. And civil yeah. service actually has fee waivers as well. So um, there's a couple different options out there. Yes, they, they do have a fee waiver uh, option, and uh, that's available on the, the, on the MAPS website, website yeah. as well. Yeah. All right, so we got about 20 minutes left. You've had a crazy 36 hours. Listen, I, I'm going to start. I've, I saw you briefly yesterday. I saw a couple of our other commanders briefly yesterday. I'm going to start just right now, you know, fully rested after a full night's sleep with an apology to our command group. That had to be a frightening and frustrating text message at 6.30 yesterday morning. You never know what's up. <laughs> it's like, okay, so, something's going on. So yesterday morning, uh, I wake up at my regular time. Um, I had I had not gotten much sleep. Um, I had I had actually gotten into bed sometime after two a.m. Um, popped up a little bit late, <laughs> groggy, and I start looking at my emails that were generated um, between midnight and six thirty a.m. And I don't know what the schedule for the day is going to be, and I don't know what the timing is going to be. I just know that something significant is going to change on Thursday. And I don't want, at least our senior commanders, I don't want my commanders um, to find out about it from Mass Live or the Boston Globe. So I send this hurried text message, secure text message out to the group saying, I need to schedule a meeting with the command group. I'm putting it on the calendar at 930. I'll explain later. And that's kind of it, right? The next thing is the Zoom invitation <laughs> pops up in your inbox. And the reason I had to do it on that time frame is I had been, so between, between about 10 p.m. on Wednesday and midnight on Wednesday, I was actually emailing paperwork back and forth to the governor's office. And because of the way I had to do it, kind of VPNing into, the, into my office at the station, I, there was some of the things that I couldn't do and some of the pages required my wife's signature and she was asleep. I'm not waking her up in the dead of night to do this. So when I got to the office, I had to redo when I was, when she woke up, I had to have her sign some of it. Then I had to go to the office and redo portions of it. Then I had to resubmit it so that I needed that time between like eight and nine thirty to get that done. Um, but yeah, that, that was a little bit hectic. So. Yeah. Were you surprised? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to get in, into any of the details. Um, so prior to Wednesday, my expectation was that I was going to be the Mass Chief's representative to the facial recognition c committee, the, one of the new facial recognition committees. And I had already been meeting at the request of retired Chief Jeff Farnsworth on an existing committee that has a very, very broad um a very, very broad area of expertise. I don't know why this committee's mission is as broad as it is, but it's community policing, mental health, crisis mental health, mental health for officers, and crisis intervention training. That's that's a big catchment area, and it's it's one comparatively small group of people who's supposed to kind of like look at the curriculum and the regulations on that. And so they had asked me to take a look at that because of the work I've been doing in the last couple of years on officer mental health and wellness and resiliency. 
So I'd had one meeting regarding that and one brief meeting just to kind of be introduced to the, the Commonwealth Fusion Center's use of facial recognition technology. So go, last, as of the beginning of this week, that was what I thought I was going to be working on going forward. Um, it, the again, I'm not going to get into details, but it w- so you and I have talked about this before. Um, Wednesday night generally is date night, and because of the way that our our date night plan had worked out, we had just gotten home from dinner, an early dinner, and we were literally sitting side by side on the couch looking at Airbnbs for our summer vacation. And because we were doing that, my work phone was on the charger in the other room, right? I just wasn't, wasn't paying attention. And the guys, and it was both guys, right? Um, Pat Carnavali, who was from MEMA and the governor's office and now is back at MEMA, and Jeff Farnsworth, who recently retired as the chief in Hamden, they're going to tell you that they couldn't find me, they couldn't get in touch with me, I'm a hard person. It, it was like 25 minutes. It was like a 25-minute window where they called, left a voicemail, texted my work phone, both of them. And then when I didn't answer my work phone... The next thing they did is they called the desk and, you know, EOPS is calling. So the, the poor guys on the desk, it was um, Sergeant Jimmy Parisi and um, Sergeant Jake Barber. And then there was some other stuff going on. So Sergeant Murphy um, happened to be in the station for something else. And so EOPS is basically just saying, we need to get in touch with Chief Wynn. It's urgent. We need to get in touch with him right now. And at the point that um, they, they got a message to me. I'll tell you in a I'll tell you in a minute how they got the message to me. Um, at the point that they got the message to me, and again, it's like 25 minutes. I grab my phone and I go check, and I see all these missed text messages and these voicemails, and I start returning the calls. They were literally at the point of sending a cruiser to the house to knock on the door, which you know I felt bad for those poor sergeants because they're not telling them what they want to talk to me about. They're just telling me we need to get in. They're telling these sergeants we need to get in touch with the chief right now. Okay, so that was a little hectic. Um, that all was around 8 p.m. With, with no information to Yeah, they, they don't have like, any idea what, you know, have you ever taken a call from EOPS for the chief? No, nobody has, right? <laughs> um, so that, that kind of prompted it. And then um, I spent a, a good portion of the evening on the phone, either with the guys from EOPS or um, with members of the governor's office and for some period of time with the mayor. Uh, and then, again, I said, you know, right around... Right around 10 o'clock, I'd start doing some paperwork. And um, so I didn't actually get the call from the governor's office that my paperwork was all set until I was walking out of the station last night, which is just before 5 o'clock. And then the media release went out right after that. So um, I spent a good portion of time um, sending out emails and text messages so that our network, our people in our network didn't find out, you know, via news sources i wanted them to hear it from me um so yeah that was the 36 hours and then i went to bed at eight o'clock last night (laughs) because i was exhausted and so now um i'm just checking my my emails and and text messages and uh, you know now the work starts so we shall see so you know just for the viewers and listeners you know if they're just tuning in um there is a press release regarding your appointment to the Post Commission on Mass.gov website. And it's significant because there are nine appointments. Nine. There, what is it, three, um, three law enforcement? Three from the governor, three from the attorney general, uh, and three that they have to agree on jointly. And 
basically two law enforcement. But so, and one is a police chief. Yeah. And you're it for the state, and it's a it's a significant uh, commission because I mean this is a result of the recently passed reform bill. The, the formation of this commission is going to steer accreditation and you know certification rather and decertification of of and training and tra- yeah so it's you're going to be a busy guy the commission is going to be busy um you know so we've talked about police reform on on the show in the past and you know the the people have spoken the legislature has spoken the governor signed the legislation as it exists um you can't you know there there may be some modifications and changes, some minor amendments, but you, it's not going to go back, right? So we have to move forward. Uh, and one of the the biggest part of the police reform legislation in Massachusetts is the creation of the post. It, it's never existed before. Uh, so um, there's there's no roadmap <laughs> on how to do this, right? right. It's uh, We're, we're going to be building it going forward. And as one of... Um, I took a call yesterday afternoon from a member of the governor's office, and as they said, is it's a truly independent commission, and while they can provide support and assistance, and you know, kind of share some experience for, from other gubernatorial or you know, legislative created commissions, they can't do it. So um, the chairperson, uh, has to, you know, as a, a retired judge, has to lead this process going forward and the members have to do the work and so um you know it's i had a couple conversations a conversation yesterday with secretary turco uh, secretary of public safety um chief farnsworth who retired from hamden and now works at eops under secretary turco and i think i said it in our meeting yesterday morning uh, it's essentially it's essentially agreeing to take on a part-time job Mm. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be a time commitment, at least at the outset, and um, there's there's going to be some travel, and there's going to you know be some meetings and hearings. Um, there are some tight timelines that were established in the yeah in the legislation, and a couple deadlines that have already um, lapsed. So we've got some catching up to do. But the so the you know I think my two most important conversations Wednesday night. I, I mean, conversation with the governor was obviously important, and I'm I'm honored but from my perspective as the chief of police here in the city of pittsville my two most important conversations with the conversation i had with the mayor when he said to say you know this is significant and it's a change and you need to be prepared that if there's an incident in pittsfield and i'm in boston and people are asking where i am i'm in boston right that's that's the commitment that i've made and so we've seen in the past where something will happen in pittsfield while i'm at training or i'm on vacation and you know some naysayer, well, where's Chief Wynn? He should be here. It, it, I don't run operations, right? Captains run operations. So as long as we're in communication, me physically being in the command post for an operation is irrelevant. Um, I get the optics of it, but that's going to get more difficult. And then uh, the second conversation was a conversation I had with the command team yesterday because, you know, the mayor needs to be prepared to say the chief's in Boston working on police reform, but the commander in the field needs to say, I'm in charge. <laughs> and, and so I just wanted to make sure that everybody was, um, was ready for that because that's, we don't know. You know, we don't know how long it's going to be to get some of the recommendations and the regulations and the curriculum up. So it's, uh, 
We'll see. It's, um, I guess, to a certain extent, it's it's a, a sacrifice because, um, you know, in order to move forward in policing, we, you know, we're talking about the the new demands on policing. Um, y- you need um, willing and able people to help steer that, and that's what you're you're getting into here. So the sacrifice is, you know, we have to, you know. It, let go of a little bit of what's going on here but like you said we we've got great we've got great command right so um you know and it's been a work in progress to get to the point where we have the command staff we have i have no doubt you know it's the the operational stuff is going to be fine you know the administrative stuff um we're going to have to put some systems in place that i can we and we learned a lot of that last year when we had to go remote with COVID. anyway that we have the systems are just going to have to normalize some of them um it's it's more about perception right it's you mm. know operationally it's not going to change at all the perception we're going to have to have a plan to deal with but yep. you know, i was thinking about it last night so i went home i was waiting uh, for the i was waiting for the press release to come out and uh i was lying on the couch it's <laughs> just like man i gotta i gotta get something to eat and i gotta close my eyes for a little bit and i was thinking about it and i was like um you know we've talked in the past i I started the other other than frontline police operations <clears throat> my first deviation from just pushing a squad car was training right the first thing that I did that was anything different than the 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 clearly established normal path was going to school to be a trainer and my first training classes were defense tactics instructor firearms instructor and then parlaying defensive tactics instructor and firearms instructor to membership on the special response team and then adding a bunch of other um, credentials over the course of my career most of which i i obtained before i was the chief many of which i've endeavored mightily to maintain after i became the chief which i haven't always been successful in doing but for almost my entire career i've been involved in some aspect of law enforcement training both within our department and elsewhere I feel like, you know, being being where I am right now at this point in time with this opportunity in front of me is is the reason why I invested all that time in training. Mm-hmm. Right. Is as much as I love being on the drill hall floor or being out on the range and and actually teaching working police officers, the the sum of the body of work I think was intended to get me here. Um, if we're going to take a look at revamping training in the Commonwealth, I want to go into that from a trainer's perspective. So, Amen. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's more paperwork. It's, you know, of course, you can email last night and there's more paperwork. It's, it's government. So everything is about paperwork. So at some point later today, I have to. Uh, Just one thing. If you're not here, I'm not doing the show without Derby. <laughs> so I've been thinking about that. Um, not only because, um, not only because I of this announcement, but you know, vacation time is coming as well for all of us. I there's so like last week it wasn't possible because I was committed to something else during the slot on Friday morning. But I've got no problem remoting in, you know, if we're going to, we've, we've gotten so adept at doing that now. Um, 
I completely forgot just because last week was such a whirlwind of other stuff. Uh, like, so I was a guest on Bill Sturgeon's Morning Drive show last week, but it aired on Tuesday. I forgot to listen to it. Um, Bill is pre-recording his episodes. Like, he's doing the interviews during the day, the week before. He stacks up five of them, and then they just throw them in and play them in the rotation. So we can explore some other options. The other thing we have to do, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, is we have to get some more department personnel involved in the production of this show. Uh, we got to diversify it a little bit. And, you know, Mr. Munn has, has been here with us since the beginning, but he's got some other stuff going on. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sworn personnel, right? We can get some support person involved in this as well. Drag some people out here, get them trained up on the board. Yep. <clears throat> we have spoiled all you listeners being so consistently live. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I mean, I love the fact that when we can, it's live. <clears throat> but we know we get more listenership and readers, uh, viewership um, on the recorded episodes, so there's there's room for that, too. I took a call just as we were getting ready to get out of the air. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was. It's a colleague. And what are you doing? Like, getting ready to go on the radio. Like, even our close colleagues forget that this is a live radio show. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. We got three minutes left. <sighs> That's been a lot. It's cold. Yeah. It's snowy. It's April. It is April. It's supposed to warm up, but I don't know, you know, now that the, if it warms up, it's just going to be muddy again, right? Yeah, month season. You got plans for the weekend? I've been uh, hammering the books as much as possible. Got my EMT test coming up, so. How's that going? Maybe a little bit of that. It, It's a little disjointed because the, the class was a year ago, you know, and everything got just absolutely put on hold. How many of you need to certify? Um, I think 11 of us. Wow. 12. That's going like to be that. a huge capability boost for us. Yeah. Huge capability boost. Been learning a lot, though. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So a couple minutes left. It's been a few weeks since I've managed to keep my promise to my colleague, Jen. If you're not subscribing to the Office of Cultural Development's Cultural Pittsfield This Week newsletter, go do that. <clears throat> There's a ton of stuff going on. Excuse me. <clears throat> Let's see, free yoga this weekend. There's a um, 5K run in Springside Park. Word uh, Poetry Lab is still going on. Virtual paint and sip. That's not even, that's down in Sheffield, right? Our, our cultural people are checking out all things Berkshires. Um, Norman Rockwell has an artist talk going on with Pops Peterson. Baby animals are back at Hancock Shaker Village. Check it out. There's plenty to do. Get outside safely, social distancely. Masked if you're around people who aren't your family. But other than that, in the 30 seconds we have left, just, you know, be well, be healthy, take care of one another, be kind, and tune in next week for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. We're 1080.